Hello, all you Lasso fans. Welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits. I'm your host this week, Craig. I'm actually joined not by Jeremy. It's not Biscuits with the Boss. It's Biscuits with someone much more important. I'm joined today by a special guest co-host. You heard her on our finale of season two. I'm joined today by Courtney Inlow. How are you, Courtney? I'm wonderful. I have deemed myself the Keeley of this podcast. (laughs) That's right. Uh, You couldn't (laughs) have asked for a better Keeley. I will tell you that we are supposed to also be joined by our, by our Guilty Pleasures host, Lou Hare, and he may or may not jump onto this feed as soon as he's able. Uh, they're having some difficulties in some weather where he's living, so we will see if he's able to join us tonight or not. And so, uh, Courtney, it's really exciting to get to talk to you again about this particular episode because I feel like in episode seven, Make Rebecca Great Again, there is so much that happens that's consequential to the entire series, and it's all done in like a 30-minute episode. It's crazy. You know what's fun is that when I was on last, which was the season two finale, And you guys talked about how you were going to go back to season one. And I thought like the episode that I would want to be on would be this one. It it, it had to be like the exact episode that I would want to be on again. And that's, you know, I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago and I was like, this episode is coming up and I feel like you need to be on this episode, right? I love this episode. Absolutely. So So much. We do have just the briefest bit of housekeeping to get through very quickly. First of all, thank you to everyone that's continued to join the Facebook page, Peanut Butter and Biscuits. I did want to mention that uh, John Garcia, who's done all of our art for the show, has said that he is going to give away a piece of art for us once we meet uh, 150 members in that page. And we're only about 10 or so people away. So uh, he will be giving away some of his own original artwork for Ted Lasso, which we're very grateful for. And then I also just want to mention, we did get one additional uh, Apple review as well. And basically just says that they're really enjoying the show. They enjoy the chemistry and the feel and the positivity that this show brings. So we just want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you could take a minute and go out there and rate the show either on Apple, or you can also now rate us on Spotify as well. That is really helpful to the show. And we really do appreciate it. I do also want to mention up here at the top, Courtney, I know you you have your own Patreon and that you have started back up uh, doing a lot of posting on your Patreon as well. I have. I'm starting to do videos again. I'm starting to do like written posts. At some point, a podcast is coming, you know, no promises, but it's coming. Okay. It's entirely contingent upon a a co-host and and all that. I want to make sure that if I'm going to come back and like commit myself because a podcast is a lot of work. A lot of people don't necessarily think of it that because so many people do podcasts, but they're a lot of work when you really care about it and you really put yourself into it. It's a lot. And I want to make sure that if I'm going to come back and do it, it's for all the right reasons and has all the right people involved. That's excellent. And I, you know, just the idea, the thought of you bringing back a show uh, makes me excited because it is, it's a ton of work. You have to have that consistency going in, but I will also say that uh, you're an excellent follow on all of social media. And then also I know about your Patreon because I'm a patron of yours. I love thank you bring. And you know, it's just that, that uh, comedic look at this terrible, terrible world we live in sometimes (laughs) that is just great to be able to uh, have in that Patreon feed or in a podcast feed. And so we're just excited to have you here with us today for sure. Well, and if people enjoy whatever I say on this podcast and as well as uh, Reddit, am I the assholes tends to be my beat. You will like my Patreon. So, you know, if you want to throw a dollar a month towards my Patreon, that is your journey. And I thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that that's all the housekeeping that we had. Like I said, we may get a Lou to join us in here. We may not, but we're going to go ahead and dive right into episode seven, make Rebecca great again. And we open up actually with Nate kind of being a dick. So, you know, that's kind of a a bit of a theme of this episode, but this is going to get him caught inside of a bus. 
But it also ends up with Nate like getting what he deserves, which is stuck in a bus. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I just love how he's like, wait, there's someone in here. And then he just goes, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess that would probably be your reaction if you're just stuck in a bus because you have no idea how long you're going to be in there. Right. And like, we have a lot to go in this episode, but I feel like this is the beginning of Nate the asshole because he gets kind of what he wants. Like he's praised for it by his, his, his leader in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. So I think that this is actually a really interesting episode in terms of Nate's journey. Absolutely. I think you're going to see a, a lot of interesting growth in the character as we move through. This actually is also an episode where we get a ton that happens before even the main credits. And again, it speaks to the amount of stuff and the amount of consequential uh, relationships that are formed in this particular episode. But we do see that uh, Ted is talking to his family, of course, over FaceTime. Thank you, Apple TV. Uh, but then he's explaining that they're going to be playing Everton and that they're going to be doing an away game out in Liverpool. Michelle asked then uh, if he has seen the divorce papers, if those have come to him. And then uh, you actually cut it cut into Rebecca's office. Rebecca sees that there's an anniversary email. You see that ever so slightly, and that's going to come up later that it is the first anniversary that she is living through her divorce with Rupert as well. Uh, and I think that's interesting because of course we get that connection in Carol of the Bells in season two, where she knows that Ted is going to be going through a lot of firsts with his first year having been divorced. And so that's why she kind of gets him out of his rut and make sure that he doesn't have to spend Christmas alone because she almost gets it's sign of the, the juxtaposition of that is that she is not going to have to spend her anniversary alone, mainly because of Keeley and this team. Absolutely. And I think that uh, it really, it really shows the, the parallels between Rebecca and, and Ted in this episode, in a lot of ways, this really kicks off just how similar they are, how similar their journeys are. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that like follows through the rest of the series. It does. It, it, it builds this relationship of someone that should be this boss figure. And then she's also someone that throughout the beginning of the season was really trying to ruin this team by hiring Ted. And so their relationship is completely evolved just in these seven episodes. But then we get to continue that evolution moving forward into season two, for sure. And so uh, Keely and Rebecca are in the office then, and they're talking about this kind of girls weekend that they're going to get to have in Liverpool. There's a really fun scene where Keely is almost slightly coming on to Rebecca and just basically teasing her and saying that uh, she, which is probably a Tedism later on, by the way, uh, this conversation between the two of them as they move forward and as they get ready to go. And then we get to see that the team is in the locker room and they're preparing to get to leave for Liverpool as well. They all seem really down on themselves and Ted doesn't quite know why. He then goes around and asks the players why they're so down. Turns out that they have not won at Everton, against Everton actually, even at home in 60 years. So uh, Lasso does what Lasso does and he gets them laughing about O'Brien's torn butt or upper hamstring. And uh, Ted also, then we hear the first sounds of the word relegation. Ted actually doesn't know what that means. As they're boarding the team bus, the journalists are telling him uh, what relegation means. And then right before we get the credits, we actually get Nate being taken out of the team bus. That way he doesn't have to be stuck there the entire drive to Liverpool. That, Like I said, Courtney, there is so much that happens even before we get to the opening credits. So I just oh, gave yeah. you a ton. I gave you Rebecca and Keeley. I gave you Ted and the team. I gave you Nate getting out of the bus, whatever you want to chat about here. Well, it also goes back before this episode where there's like two straight episodes of the team really bonding with Ted and like becoming a proper team. And we see, you know, some of Jamie happening, some of Jamie, you know, absent of the team, but the team is becoming like a unit Mm -hmm. and, you know, like their, their, their movie night is 
like just the cutest, like most casual thing I've ever seen in my life. They're just so like cute and casual about it. And I love this team dynamic that I think really, this episode is the one that really like sets it into normalcy versus um, getting them to the point of normalcy. It's kind of like Rebecca saying at the end of Two Aces, this is a team united. And so really what you're saying is like these last couple of episodes from Tan Lines and then Two Aces was really the team coming together and getting to feel that, whether that's the win, their first win under Ted Lasso at the end of Tan Lines, or it's uh, sort of the bonding moment that they have trying to break the curse in Two Aces. They're building as a team. And then now we get to just see what that team can look like once they're actually fully operated as a team as well. Exactly. They're just in full family mode. And I, again, love that relationship and that dichotomy between Keely and Rebecca. So you mentioned you're the Keely of the podcast. I mean, what, what do you feel about that relationship and where it's been even just here in the first season? Their relationship is so jubilant is the best way that I can put it. And that's, that's, that's Keely to me. She is just so happy and so just loving and enthusiastic about everything. And I love when Sassy joins the dynamic because all three of them together are just this powerful, joyful sisterhood of women celebrating women. And I love that. And that's a great way to get into where they're settling into the hotel in Liverpool. You can see that everyone's starting to get settled in. Uh, Rebecca then mentions to Keely that, yes, in fact, this is her first anniversary that she will not be married to Rupert. So um, that is kind of coming up in her mind. Then we do get that excellent line between uh, Ted and the team. And he says, do you want movie night or do you want pillow fight? And uh, there is a Tedism that will come later, I'm sure. I actually threw this out to our Facebook group. And I I was so surprised that movie night beat pillow fight like two to one. What is with that, Courtney? Like people just don't want to they, they don't want to say that they want to do a pillow fight. Is that what it is? They don't want to know how much they want a pillow fight. They're not ready. They are not emotionally prepared for how much they're going to love a pillow fight. I, I, I got to say, I completely uh, overjudged that someone that is just a Ted Lasso fan that is in a silly Facebook group, I thought maybe more votes for pillow fight. I mean, it's not like I'm really staging a movie night or a pillow fight here. That said, I also love the idea of having a movie night with Ted Lasso. That's true. I want want to watch a movie with Ted and like get all of his thoughts. So of course they're going to watch Iron Giant, but what would you, uh, what would be like your top pick to watch with Ted? So my top two uh, programs, movie or otherwise, that have some kind of a movie night. It's this and my favorite movie, Say Anything. And then Say Anything, they watch Cocoon. And I kind of want to see Ted watch Cocoon. (laughs) (laughs) The Wilford Brimley effect, right? Exactly, yes. Well, how old was he when he did that movie? I know there's like the Wilford Brimley line and he was like 50, but he He looked like he was in his 70s. And we we all assume (laughs) that he was the oldest man in the world, but no, he was 50 years old. That's incredible. Uh, RIP Wilford Brimley for sure. Keely actually, when they get all settled in, they go back and Keely's watching herself on TV and she's like, I don't even remember doing this. And this is kind of that whole playing off of the famous for somewhat being famous. Uh, and that's kind of whole Keely's whole mantra at the beginning of this season, but she's really starting to come into her own, being able to start doing that public relations side uh, for AFC Richmond and kind of moving forward from there. So we get a little bit of that as well. But then, as you mentioned, who comes through the door, but sassy. And I'm so happy that she's in this show now, because it's like having gone and watched this show, you know, that that relationship dynamic between her and Rebecca, between her and Keely is just so strong. That dinner scene, you just want to be a fly on the wall while they're eating dinner together and having those conversations. And so to have her here finally is just so nice. And uh, then you do get to learn though, that Rebecca has basically shied away from sassy and from Nora for the last six years. So that kind of shows a a different side of Rebecca and maybe that she had changed. And we do get a lot of that. And we're going to discuss that I'm sure here in a little bit, especially at the karaoke scene, but what are your thoughts about the intro of Sassy here and sort of getting to learn more about her character? So I really think in a lesser show, 
And by that, I mean a very common show. There would have been some kind of stress or anxiety or angst between Sassy and Stinky. Mm-hmm. As well as as well as Keely, like there would have been some kind of issue between them. There would have been some kind of thing they needed to overcome before just being friends again. And the thing that I love about this show is they were just where they were. They they were automatically friends again. They addressed the stuff that had happened between them and that they needed to deal with but they were still friends. And I feel like a lot of shows take female friendships and make them something dramatic or make them something angst ridden. And that isn't the case. That doesn't need to be the case. But a lot of television shows make that very much just part of female friendship. And I love the way this handled that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's continued on into season two and you don't get that. Um, I think you mentioned it in our season two finale, that cat fighting that you normally get amongst yes. females in these shows. And I certainly hope that that would continue on from here as well. And and I don't think that the, the writers would betray that in season three, but I, I think that if there was at this point, I, I do feel too, if there is a rift that happens between any of these three women, I think they've established enough that it wouldn't come off as so, um, you know, just so juvenile, I guess, is the, the word I'm looking for. What word am I looking for here? I, do, I don't know. I don't know. Your <laughs> okay. Journey, but... All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but I also feel like a lesser show would have had some kind of strife between Sassy and Rebecca for her hooking up with Ted. Like, and we're going to get to that, obviously. Spoilers. I'm so sorry, but no worries. I'm pretty sure this audience is. I'm seen sure this they know if times. they don't know. <laughs> hey, guess what? And Ted eats like a goddamn whatever, but like <laughs> he's a oh. hero in the bedroom. Ted the, the, Lasso, the marble man, uh, yes. for sure. So then we do get to go see uh, the team is now gathered and they're watching the Iron Giant. And then Ted actually mentions to Nate that he wants to get his opinion. Um, Nate actually gives this line that I think is really interesting for his growth and his uh, kind of journey through the season one into season two. He basically says he's not going to give Ted his opinion because what he's worried about is Ted's not going to enjoy his opinion. He's going to hate his opinion. Then he's going to fire him and then he's going to be ostracized from the team. And then he's going to be uh, ostracized from his family. I mean, he goes down this like death spiral all based on just giving this man just some opinions on what the football team should be focusing on here. So I thought that that was really interesting as well. We then cut to the dinner with the three girls and uh, Sassy's trying to set Rebecca up with the waiter. And then Sassy also gets to meet Ted as she steps out for a smoke. And then Ted is actually trying to figure out how to fax the divorce papers back to Michelle in the United States as well. Sassy tells Keely that uh, Rebecca is putting on an act. And this is sort of uh, when she returns to the table, she's basically just saying that like, you don't know the real Rebecca because Rebecca has changed so much in the last six years in particular that she used to be silly and she used to love to just sing. And she would, her favorite song was, do you want to build a snowman? And she would sing that with her goddaughter, Nora. And all of this, that kind of change that's happened in Rebecca Welton particularly because of, we assume, the relationship with Rupert. I don't know that Sassy ever actually explicitly says that. But then also, we've been talking a lot about how Rebecca in this first season is trying to assert herself so much, mainly because of that like horrible misogynistic power dynamic that happens when a woman is trying to run organization. Like the, it, And of course, here I am, the guy talking about this. <laughs> Maybe I should yield the floor to Courtney here for a moment. But- what are your thoughts about this whole dinner scene? Because again, it's a very fascinating scene. A lot of moving pieces here. One of my favorite things about this whole show is Rebecca saying, you know, he did this to me essentially. And Sassy saying, you know what? He built the tower, but you climbed every step. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. Like for people who were in emotionally abusive relationships like there is a sense of 
you know what, I played a part and I'm not, I'm not ascribing that to anyone without my own experience. This is very much a thing that I am mired in where someone set you up to fail and you went with it. And that's very, very hard. And I think the show handled it so beautifully, not in a victim blamey way, but in a realistic way. Well, and, and especially that relationship between a friend who you've become distant with. And I mean, that happens even in uh, relationships that don't necessarily end in uh, divorce or in some kind of, um, you know, turmoil. It, it's that you change in life and you make those, uh, you do make choices along the way. And in those choices, sometimes you turn away from friends that you had had. And that is something that you ultimately are also responsible for, right? It's not something that you're just passive in. You're making decisions, whether that's just going along with someone, but you are making some decisions. You do have some kind of authority or ability to be able to to make those decisions yourself. So I thought that that was a really interesting way to handle this uh, when we get to that karaoke scene in the bar, for sure. Yeah, and frankly, it's a really tricky thing to depict. And I think it's amazing that the show handled it as well as it did because I don't trust a lot of shows to do that it is just very nuanced and I think the show handled it great and if you can believe it we're like halfway through this show this episode because again there's so much stuff that happens in this episode there's a lot that happens in this episode what I love about the next scene, and I don't necessarily love it, but I, I think it's interesting. They've done this a couple of times in the show where Jason will come out looking extremely disheveled because you normally see the gelled hair, the styled hair of Ted Lasso. And in this next scene, you see him contemplating whether or not he's going to sign the divorce papers now. This is the night before the Richmond game. And uh, he just looks like someone who is just having... Uh, such a horrible time trying to come to terms with the fact that this relationship is ending. And this is, of course, after he's talked to Michelle in the end of Tan Lines and had said, you know, it, I'm going to be okay. Well, this is clearly, this is setting up the fact that we, he's not just going to be okay, that this is going to take a lot of healing. This is going to take uh, Sharon Fieldstone at some point to be able to start to move that ball forward and to be able to uh, live with the consequences of what's happening to end this relationship. Um, But then another thing that happens in this scene is that we do see Nate sliding a note under the door and then pulling it back out again and then sliding it back under and then pulling it back out again. And of course, Ted Kevin catches him doing that. And Ted kind of blows up at him a little bit here and says like, what are you doing out of, out of bed? I love that. He says, Nathan, instead of Nate, or he doesn't say like, you know, his normal catchphrases for Nate. He says like, Nathan, it's after curfew, get to bed. Almost like a father talking to a son in that This episode is truly a tale of two Nates. It is season one, Nate and season two, Nate in the same episode. Like this is where we get that first taste of the Nate that has like power and wants to just like tear people down. Yep. But also he, like before that he's nervous and he's taking it out, take it out, take it out, take it out. Like this is really like the episode where Nate shifts. It is. And you know, what's interesting. Of course, the next scene, the next day, uh, Ted has now read that note and he decides that he's going to have Nate deliver those remarks to the team. And I wonder what was in that note that Ted read. I, I don't know if it's like the stand-up comic routine of insults that Nate ends up laying on top of him, or if it's just like a bullet point of like, these are, you know, Roy is not, not feeling the fire anymore. Um, and Isaac is doing this and Colin's doing that. I, I just wonder if Ted has him deliver that uh, speech to the team before the game, if it is kind of the exact wording that Nate is going to deliver here, because he really does go on to it. He, uh, he says to Isaac, you've been playing like a big dumb pussy. 
And then it's funny to watch the facial reactions of all the team. Like if you go back and watch that scene, almost watch it on mute because at first they're all so happy and jubilant that Nate's going to be, they're like, yeah, come on, Nate. Oh, they're on. enjoying it. Come like on. it's a, yeah, like it's a roast. Great. And then particularly to Heeb Jamo's uh, reactions. And then especially when he goes to Sam and he's like, Sam, and his just reaction is just like, oh no, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like I, I can't believe I'm up for this next. And then of course, at the end of this, so he lays into Isaac, he lays into Sam, he lays into Colin, he lays into other members of the team. And then he gets to Roy and Roy is going to confront him about it, walk right up to his face. And to Nate's credit, he's able to deliver. And he tells, uh, he tells Roy that he's just not feeling that passion like he used to. And then of course, Roy goes and rips out the bench, uh, which I imagine would be awfully tough to do. I'm guessing that thing was bolted to the ground and in true Ted Lasso fashion, we get to see none of the actual soccer. We don't get to see the pitch at all. We just hear Arlo White saying that Richmond has beat Everton one to nil. And uh, then we get to see the team starting to celebrate in the locker room. But what are your thoughts about this whole speech and kind of building up to the, to the game? And then even after the game, I will go into the locker room scene after the game here in just a minute. But what's your thoughts on all this? As I said last time I was on, I don't need any of the soccer. I just <laughs> need a single bit of it i'm good i'm good soccer wise i can just trust if the show tells me they're very good at this game that they are very good at and and sometimes they're not very good at the game and sometimes and you know what the game the show tells me that i don't need to know any further um but i everything that i see in the locker room is frankly all i need Mm mm-hmm like whether it's before the game, after the game, during the game, like that is really, they give the entire story to someone like me who does not give an absolute ass about soccer <laughs> Fair enough. Fair or enough. any sport for that matter. And as you said, this is really where we start to see that Nate uh, with power and kind of turning on that power and taking it just a little bit too far, I think, although it does I guess you could say, particularly with Roy, because we do hear that the one goal scored was from Roy Kent. And so perhaps his fieriness and getting these guys all built up, that might've been what propelled him to victory ultimately. But then after that, we get to see that uh, Sassy is formally introduced to Ted from uh, by Rebecca. And that's when she makes the connection that she had actually met Ted in the hotel lobby earlier. And then Roy and Keeley have a nice chat uh, in the locker room as well. I wanted to note that because that's definitely going to come up later in the episode. But then Roy jumps up on the bench and sells the whole team that they're not going back to the hotel. They are going to the club. And then we do get to cut to a karaoke bar where uh, Sassy is asking Rebecca about Ted to get some information. And then this is where you had talked about a little earlier that that whole quote uh, comes between Rebecca and Sassy. They step outside to talk for a moment. And Sassy just says, listen, you were complicit in this as well. And you need to own up to that. I, I am going to uh, allow you to do that. But you need to understand that you had a part in this as well. I love that when they come back to it, because they've put uh, Hannah Waddingham's name into the queue for karaoke, that you do get this amazing version of Bad Romance by Coach Beard. You get it's, to the tail end of that. It's something it's else. It's art. It is it, beautiful. It is perfect. It's I so, love every second of it. That, as far as I'm concerned, built the beard that we come to see in Beard After Dark. It, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. The one that's going to be with a hula hoop and everything else. And yeah. like, he's so like just deranged looking when he's singing Lady Gaga. <laughs> it is so perfect. And then of course we do get to see uh, Hannah sing a little bit. You know, what's interesting is I thought like in my previous watches of this, I thought we got more of let it go, but we really don't get that much. Let it go it, here before it it's cuts really shared between her and Ted and it really feeds into the whole um that dichotomy that they share where absolutely it's like, you know specifically that song too like as a as a mother of a, a young girl I've listened to let it go a lot <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this song a time or two and it's it's very applicable to Ted 
Yes, absolutely. It's incredibly applicable to Ted. And of course, this is the song that's going to just send him out of the room. Like it's it's panic attack treatment in a song. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm the Disney guy. I have to ask, are you more of an into the unknown or more of a let it go? What, which, uh, which song do you choose between okay. the two? So here's the thing. I'm a show yourself. Show yourself is so good. It's my favorite song. <laughs> it's, it's so good. So, I'm, so and good. I wrote an entire piece about uh next right thing like I wrote an entire like article for sci-fi fangirls about next right thing so like I'm a frozen two kind of girl but when it comes to like picking my favorite song of the two movies I'm gonna show yourself okay okay I, I'm not gonna argue with that at all yeah. you know before we go into Ted's tinnitus and uh Rebecca coming out and comforting him I do I did mention like I did notice this time again it's it's lovely watching this again with the insight that we know what happened in season two there is the briefest of moments between Sam and Rebecca where I think they're both like either reaching for the same thing or something they they run into each other and they give each other this look that when you're watching this from a season one standpoint, you're like, you don't even recognize that that happened. And it's just like a moment that happens, but clearly this is like between what they did last episode in two aces and this, they're already starting to lay the groundwork for what we're going to see in season two. Because again, these writers are real good. It, was, they it was telegraphed very gently. <laughs> It was so like, like there's no, like you could, I, I would forgive you, even if you have watched this show six times and you've missed this part, but it's just like the ever so slightly, they just look at the, each other like that, that kind of look that you'd give somebody across the hall kind of a thing. And it's just like, oh my goodness, of course this is happening. But then we do get to see uh, Ted's tinnitus uh, start. He starts to get super sweaty while he's in the karaoke bar. He leaves, he's having a panic attack. He sits down outside of the bar. He's starting to hear multiple voices uh, going around his head. But then of course, uh, we see that Rebecca is right there in front of him. And he actually, she sits down next to him. She holds him, she comforts him. And uh, then she offers to get Ted back to the hotel, but he said he's going to walk back to, by himself. And then it cuts to him in the hotel room and he's signing the papers. He has one of Henry's army men next to him at that point. Um, and he's much more put together. That's why I thought was interesting about how they had him disheveled in the moment where he felt like he could not sign the papers. And then when it goes to where he's going to sign the papers, he just came out of this panic attack where he again looked disheveled. But when he actually sits down to sign the papers, he's much more put together, much more styled. And I think that that's kind of our indication as an audience that he now knows like he's almost more prepared. He's like more put together oh, it, to sign it these had papers. had to be a controlled decision. Yeah. Like something like that, that's such a major upheaval in your life. Like you can't just panicedly do you need to like process. And I think this show showed the process so well. Mm hmm Absolutely. Well, you know, that's not something that uh, I have ever experienced. And I know uh, that many others have, but I just, you, you think about like the way that they shot that and they edited it together. And then the, the decisions they made to have him be more, whether it be disheveled in one moment and then put together in the next, I think it just speaks again to the, the overall production value of what this show brings. So then we see Keely and Roy have walked back together and then they are going to go their separate ways in the hotel room. But of course, Roy gives Keely a kiss. It almost looks momentarily like he's going to try to sort of invite himself in, see if Keely is okay with that. But then Roy does what Roy has done so many times, whether that be in season one or season two. And he plays kind of that hard to get. And he walks away from Keely and just tells her a really quick good night and sort of almost leaves her wanting a little bit more like uh, Brett Goldstein leaves us wanting as an audience every single week. Uh, I kind of think it was adorable that you thought they were going to go their separate ways. The second they left together <laughs> from the club, they both, or at the very least, Keely wanted them to go to the same room. Right. Well, that's and, what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And like you get that moment where she is kind of 
almost motioning like that's the direction it should go. And then it's actually Roy that is sort of like, okay, good night. See you. And then he walks away. And that's, again, that's not necessarily how you would assume that that moment would go in a scripted TV show. Yeah. They were both going there in theory with the plan to lasso that Ted. (laughs) Lasso that Ted. <laughs> yes. But then, uh, of course, we uh, cut back one more time to Rebecca uh, waiting at the bar. She is going to spend the night, it seems, with the waiter from the dinner scene. But she does get a text from from Ted. And I want to save the actual text for my Tedism or one of my Tedisms, but it really speaks to that whole major league subplot that we've been going on because this is going to make Rebecca feel extremely conflicted about her relationship with Ted. And because that's grown so strong, is she really wanting to ruin this team the way that she was when we saw her in the first episode and when she actually hired Ted? And then of course we get a knock at the door for Ted's room and it is sassy at the door. She walks right in and that is where we end our episode is uh, with Ted's door being shut. So any thoughts on the final piece of this episode? Yeah. As we learn later, Ted is a Labrador of a person and just goes to town and good for him and good for her. Good for both of them. For both of them. Good for everyone involved. Any final thoughts before we go to one of our favorite parts of the week here, Courtney? I want to say that this to me is the episode that um, even more than for the children really humanizes Rebecca. It makes us know that she is a genuinely good, wonderful person that is just so hurt that she's doing these terrible things. And I think a lot of shows really struggle with like the black and white dichotomy of like, this is a bad person. This is a good person. And Rebecca gets to exist in, in both, but even more into the good person realm. This show allows her to be a good, decent human that is also trying to be a bad person. Yeah. And I think I love that so much about the way that they played this. So it's that time we're going to bring him out of the corner and we're going to have uh, Larry Smith come on out here for our favorite time of the week. Tedisms, where each week we share Biscuit's truth. Okay, so we are in our Tedisms. And guess what, audience? We have a special surprise for you. Coming from his crappy internet, here comes Lou Hare, the host of Guilty Pleasures. He's joined us now for our Tedisms. How are you, sir? I just wanted to make a dramatic entrance. That's all. You are very fashionably late. I I wanted to build up the tension uh, and then just make a grand appearance. Nobody Uh, puts Lou Hare in a corner except for Lou Hare's internet. (laughs) thank you it is uh audience it's real funny that like literally the moment we were going to begin he texted us and said hey by the way my internet has gone down so we are so glad that you were here and you know what lou uh we're going to throw you on the hot seat right away so we're talking tedisms give us one of your favorite quotes from make rebecca great again uh i have two and the the first one is uh and not not in uh chronological order but the first one is from Ted himself uh when he meets Sassy in the lobby and he asks oh like Sassy Smurf and she says no and he says oh it, it seems like that that's a shame or he, that there wasn't a Sassy Smurf and he goes that's a shame it seems like a smurf with an attitude would be a lot of fun to watch and i wholeheartedly agree i would watch the adventures of Sassy Smurf Sassy Smurf would be great. I think, uh, I think we could, in fact, you know, Courtney, you were saying you're going to have a podcast in the near future. Maybe you could do a, a, a Smurf retrospective as Sassy Smurf. I'll be Sassy Smurf. I am Smassy Smurf. That's Smassy Smurf. <laughs> it's getting later and later at night, isn't it? <laughs> so Courtney, uh, you're our other guest as well. So I want to hear from you, one of your Tedisms. 
my Tedism is when they're watching Iron Giant and Ted says, uh, keep an eye on these guys, come around the 74 minute mark. We're going to be a room full of grown men crying. <laughs> that is very much true for Iron Giant. You know, it's been so long since I've seen it. I honestly, I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid. So after I watched this and I didn't make it through all the way today, uh, but I did find out it's streaming on uh, Tubi for free here in the United States. So you can go and check it out, but definitely a great Brad Bird animated film for Warner Brothers. But honestly, like it's been a minute since I've seen Iron Giant. So you have obviously seen it, Courtney. Lou, have you seen Iron Giant recently? I I have never seen the Iron Giant. It is a... It, it is a blind spot for me. I just, I was of the wrong age when it came out. And then I just, it just, I've never gone back to it. It is one of those films that is more intense and emotional as an adult than it is as a child. Because I think I was like 10 when it came out, or at least when I saw it. And then I saw it again at like 20 something. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this movie? I'm dead inside. So I recommend <laughs> it to anyone listening to this program. I do know that it's only an hour and 26 minutes. So the 74 minute mark seems to make sense. Uh, so yeah. definitely go. And if you're in the United States, check it out on Tubi for free. Uh, this is not an ad for Tubi, uh, although if they want to sponsor us. We will let them for sure. So my first Tedism, one of them, I, I have a couple of them here I wanted to mention, but the first one is just because of the comedic timing of Juno Temple. So this is when they're in the office at the very beginning of the episode and Keeley starts to uh, basically trick or led on to Rebecca that maybe the two of them are going to hook up on this girl only weekend. And Rebecca goes, could you imagine? And then Keeley just with the most earnestness has says, oh, I have. And it's just perfect how it's delivered and how Juno does that. And like, you're like, oh yeah, of course she has. And then this calls back to, you know, they're talking about Rebecca on the yacht and all the comments that Keely gives to her at that point. It's just so funny. Those two interacting together. I just love Keely so much. She's just, just love a them. pure angel cloud. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the business center is open 24 hours a day. So mm -hmm. we do know that as well from Keeley. Now, Lou, you said you had two Tedisms. So what's your second one? Yeah, my second one is at the very top of the episode after Ted gets done FaceTiming with his son uh, about the Beatles. <gasps> and uh, he uh, says, and, and he, he, keeps the illusion that all four of them are alive to his son and beer and, and uh, beer goes, you're not going to tell them about George and Paul and, or George, or excuse me, John and George. And he feigns. And then he, he feigns, you know, shock. And then beard goes, it was Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just perfect. Just perfect. All the way through. Right. And I just finished watching get back. So that was especially enjoyable for me. That all, uh, is it six and a half hours? Is it eight hours of get back? Nine, my friend, nine. It is nine hours of Beatles. But you said in our thread uh, to bring that out to the public that the last hour is definitely worth it. So like, let's say I am the most casual of Beatles fans. Do I just go to hour eight of nine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, it, it's it's fine. It's nine hours of hanging out with the Beatles. Okay. It, it's also the most British breakup you'll ever watch because they're all like they're clearly over each other but also very polite about it nice so but yeah so no 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 it's it's a it's a fine documentary you don't need nine hours of it to get it like but the last hour is magical because it's that rooftop concert and the angles that they get and the story that they that peter jackson puts together of what's happening while they're performing is fantastic the rest of it you know Watching increments if you're going to watch it. Excellent. I will take you up on that uh, as well. Courtney, you got any other Tedisms you wanted to mention? Not at the moment. It was really <laughs> Ted's just like, they are to like the idea that any of the Beatles are dead was very specific to me. 
<laughs> yes. And you know, I will say like so much stuff is happening in this episode that it's really funny that like there aren't as many like to me, standout Tedism moments. I do love that when Keely and Sassy are meeting for the first time and Keely introduces herself and Sassy says, oh, I know who you are, honey. My ex used to masturbate to you like a maniac. And it's just, again, <laughs> how it's delivered is just so fantastic and perfect. Um, and and it's I all fine. The female relationships are fine. They are not jealous. They are not weird. Everything's cool. I love it. Everything's fine, but like really not like that meme that everybody shares. Everything yeah. really is fine. It's not yeah. that this is fine, dog. It's that this is fine, Keely. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've talked about this earlier, so maybe I'm just repeating some very good points you've already made. But like we're so customed in sitcoms that when a friend from out of town comes in, it challenges the relationship of the main characters. Yes, in a lesser program. In a lesser program. In this program, it was fine. Yeah, they're like, welcome to the party. And they get along. Like, it's so, it was such a refreshing subversion of a trope that we've seen done to death. Absolutely. And that's I. That's why I love that relationship. And I love the relationship that all three of these are going to have. And then really add in a fourth with Nora when we get to meet her in season two as well. Mm -hmm. My last Tedism that I have is not spoken, but it's texted from Ted to Rebecca. And the full text is, thank you for being so kind, not just tonight, but through this whole adventure. It's really been something else. And this is going to be where I think uh, Rebecca is kind of going to decide fully that she's abandoning this whole idea of this major league subplot that we've had going on all season. Because even at the end of Two Aces, she says something like she comes to the team meeting because Sam has encouraged her to do so. And then she says this is a team united. But then immediately she gets rid of Jamie Tart. So she's still kind of balancing back and forth. And I think that this is what's meant by make Rebecca great again. Yes, the idea that she is coming out of her shell and coming to sing karaoke and to be her former self from six years ago because no longer does she have Rupert and she could start to mend those fences with Sassy. Absolutely. But I think also we are seeing that she's now going to make the decision that she is going to care about this team, that she is going to care about Ted Lasso. She is going to care about her players and that she's going to do the best by them moving forward. And so I, I think that that's also part of the subtext of this uh, as well. Anything else that we have before we start to wrap this episode up? I'll tell you what, Lou, uh, why don't you come back and do this with me again next week? How does that sound? I mean, this went so easy and like, it felt like no time had passed. I, why not? Sure. I will say that, uh, you know, again, uh, internet issues be damned. I do have a, another co-host that's set to come on next week as well. So uh, Lou and I will be joined by Justin Souter from the Disney Dads. He's been on several episodes with us. And I think that'll be a lot of fun to, as we talk about the Diamond Dogs. It'll be good to get the, the three dudes together to talk Diamond Dogs. But of course, this episode and any episode that she wants to come on is made a thousand times better by Courtney Inlow. So Courtney, thank you so much for coming on and chatting. Make Rebecca great again with me. And also if for some reason you've joined this podcast late, go back and listen to that season two finale because Courtney, you were on fire in that episode, much like you were tonight. Oh, you angel babies. Thank you so much. I want to make sure that uh, both of you are able to plug uh, anything that you have coming up or again, go out there and check out uh, Courtney on social media and all that. Where can they find you, Courtney? You know what? You can find me on uh, Twitter at Courtney You can find me on Patreon at Courtney Enlow. Um, I'm pretty much just doing that right now. And that's, if you want to join me on that journey, please do. Awesome. That's great. And then Lou, uh, again, if they want a sneak peek of the insights, I mean, you just gave us such spot on insight into that sitcom trope that is no more in Ted Lasso. So they're going to get some real information from you. But in the meantime, I think you have an episode dropping even right now or in between that they can go and check out, right? On Guilty Pleasures? Yeah, I just uh, had a very interesting conversation with Aaron McCabe from the Flashbacks show on the Front Row Network. And we talked about the Matrix Resurrections uh, and had a more serious conversation than I typically do 
on guilty pleasures because I actually think as as much of a hot mess as that movie is, there's some interesting things going on about it that uh, the more I talked about it, I kind of talked myself into liking it more. Uh, so, you know, who, who knew, uh, but yeah, that, that was a fun episode. And if you, but if you want maybe more of a, of a taste of what guilty pleasures does, uh, more consistently, uh, we also, uh, had our host, your host, who's not here, Jeremy on our jingle all the way podcast for, uh, Christmas time. Uh, and Courtney has been a guest a couple of times on guilty pleasures as well for talking fear and talking the crush, which are outstanding episodes. So, uh, yeah, you can check that out. And then later this month on guilty pleasures, we're going to be talking about the 1987 Shelley long Bet Midler classic, Outrageous Fortune. Oh my God. It's... I will be listening to that one. <laughs> yes, please do. And please, I mean, you're, I, the, the invite's open. If uh, I'll, I'll put you on the spot right now and say, hey, do you want to? Uh, but yeah. And then uh, February, we've got two outstanding choices. We're doing uh, the celebrating the 20th anniversary of Britney Spears' Crossroads. And then also talking about my maybe one of my favorite guilty pleasures of all time, Sylvester Stallone's Over the Top. Over the Top. Yes, that's wonderful. That's so great. I can't wait to hear all those episodes and listen in on guilty pleasures. It's been a it's going to be a big year for Britney. So, you know, I think it's great to celebrate Crossroads as well. Yeah, we are we've uh, we freed Britney. Now we're going to now we're going to free Crossroads. That's the next step. Written That's... by Shonda goddamn rhymes. <laughs> is it really? It is. For real. For real. <laughs> oh, man, I had no idea. All right. Well, we better get out of here because I got to go watch Crossroads. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I did mention about the crush, by the way, that these two were on on the Guilty Pleasures feed. I said uh, in our Facebook group earlier this week that it is nowhere near remotely close for uh, safe for work. So when you do check <laughs> it out, make sure no. not even remotely safe for work so go and check out that episode for sure on the front row network or on the guilty pleasures feed you could work at like a prison or a long shore and it wouldn't be safe for those working (laughs) fires that just always listen with headphones and make sure they're they're turned down a little bit low it's totally if you work at a child endangerment factory guess what this is the movie for you Excellent. Excellent. So thank you so much. Continue to uh, follow us on PBBFRN on Twitter. Also peanut butter and biscuits on Facebook. And it's just been great to have you two along for the ride tonight. So for peanut butter and biscuits, I am Craig. I'm Courtney. And I'm Lou. And as always, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.